0: Welcome to Truly Fit, the online fitness marketplace connecting pros and clients through unique fitness business software. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, we go over pre- and post-workout meals. I have on Hannah Thompson, who's a registered dietitian and a personal trainer, to break this topic down. You can find her at dietitian.hannah on Instagram or healthwithhannahtea.com. Hannah and I go over some basics of pre- and post-workout meals. We go over specific macros that you should or should not be having pre- and post-workout. Should you be having fats? Should you be having protein? Should you be having carbohydrates? Should you have all three? What are the ratios that you should be having pre- and post-workout? Is your pre-workout meal different than your post-workout meal? We go over pre-workout supplements. She gives us her take on pre-workout supplements and caffeine and uh, just some industry misconceptions and fads. That we discuss. Again, for more on Hannah, visit dietitian.hannah on Instagram. With no further ado, here's Hannah and I. Hannah, thanks so much for joining the Truly Fit podcast. Why don't you give the listeners and audience a background, a bio of what you do in the health and fitness industry?
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Hannah Thompson. I am a registered dietitian and a certified personal trainer. Um, I am a kind of newbie dietitian. So I just actually graduated back in, oh my goodness, May, 2020 from Purdue university. I've been a personal trainer for a little bit longer, but I am a little baby dietitian. And so I just started my first full-time career um, working mainly in weight management, but I do also have my own um, private practice called help with Hannah, which I'll kind of, we can always link to that later, I suppose. But um, I mainly do like, I have a YouTube channel, I have a blog, um, and I also have a podcast that I co-host as well. So those are kind of my main things that I work on. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, I first want to ask you being that you're both a you know, personal trainer, you have experience there and you're a registered dietitian about scope of practice. We talk about this a lot and it's something that always comes up if you go to, let's say the national Academy of sports medicine, like Facebook boards. Uh, It's a question that's always asked is, you know, what should I be saying? What should I not be saying? What's the extent of the information I should be giving? And although people sort of, uh, I'll say, uh, talk the talk, nobody walks the walk. So people will say, oh, you should only really give general information. Yet I can go on all of their Facebook and Instagrams and find out that they're giving very specific information. So what are your thoughts on this? Where where does your scope of practice lie? And what do you think it, it should be?
1: Yeah. I love this question. I'm pretty passionate about this actually. Um, it is wonderful being able to be both a trainer and the dietitian because I feel like that's the best case scenario because there is that very fine line that people sometimes cross. I don't want to, you know, make anyone feel bad for doing what they're trying to be passionate about and do, but it is a very fine line that is often crossed, whether it's intentional or not. Um, but I think the key word you already said is specifics, you know, as a trainer, who's not a dietitian, um, the biggest thing is you can absolutely say things like, um, make sure you have like plenty of protein after your workout, uh, perhaps like get in some carbs too. Like that kind of thing is absolutely encouraged because it's just normal for your clients to ask you those questions, you know, while you're training them. Um, but a trainer who is not a dietitian should be likely not be giving out specific like calorie goals or macros or um, maybe give it, like certain vitamin recommendations that is where it kind of gets a little bit wishy-washy and trainers should probably steer clear of any specific advice like that
0: yeah and and i think that's what most people are told as personal trainers through again whether it's national academy of sports medicine or ace or any of these other certifications because uh, medically speaking we don't want to upset the apple cart with someone who might potentially have another doctor or another dietician or another, somebody else giving them advice concerning that. And then we're telling them other advice. So it's best to just sort of stay in our lanes. And that's why, again, I, I don't want to go into tie right here because I talk about this a lot, but that's why it's best to just network in, in the industry, right? If you network in the industry and you have one person who does your physical therapy Uh, You know, I'm speaking from a personal trainer standpoint, one person who you who you ship out for for nutrition advice and someone else for sports medicine, whatever it is, uh, then you'll never have to worry about stepping on people's toes and you'll get referrals back your way as well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the really important thing is to have lots of different people in your circle with all different kinds of expertise that you can always refer to instead of just trying to do it all yourself, because then you cannot give your client the best care they need.
0: So I'm sure we can talk about a lot of different things, being that we we do one of the same two jobs, and there's a million nutrition-related questions I could ask you. But today, specifically, we're going to be talking a little bit about post-workout and pre-workout meals and what exactly your body needs, what are maybe the misconceptions about these things, uh, are supplements okay to take pre-workout, things of this nature. And I, I want to just start off for any of the listeners who maybe aren't in our field who don't know exactly what we're talking about. Could we just give like a vague description of, of what we mean um, by pre and post-workout meals?
1: Yes, I think it's a great question. I think people have often heard the analogy that like our body is a car, it needs gas to run. And I really think that's a great basic analogy to use. Um, And food truly is fuel in that way. And if we don't eat the right foods before a workout, we're not going to perform optimally. And if we don't eat the right foods after our workouts, we're not going to recover, you know, the best that we can. So we really need to rely on food and I'll go over in this episode today, what exactly those foods look like that would be good for pre and post-workout, but we really need to use food as our tool to make sure that we are performing the best and then also recovering the best that we can so we can continue to perform, you know, time and time again.
0: Okay. So that's perfect. That's a great lead in here. So we'll start with the pre-workout and then we'll get to the post-workout just to, just to sort of keep this. Itemized, um, simple carbohydrates. I guess uh, you know for glycemic index or fast act, acting access to energy is what we're told as trainers. That's a, you know again a limited um, parlance we have in the, in the nutrition world, but that's what we're told. Uh, it, it, do you recommend that specifically? Is it better to have a mixture of carbohydrates? And I'm sure that it matters based on your training, right? If I'm running long distances as opposed to maybe doing a short hit workout.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it depends on the type of training. And I think maybe more importantly, it really matters on the timing. So uh, we definitely want those like simple, really quick, fast acting carbs. And I can give examples of that in one of the, I think, future questions here actually. But um, we really want those simple, fast acting carbs, say like perhaps the workouts in like less than an hour. That is when our body would be able to best utilize that very quick source of glucose um, to perform the best. If you have like, say like an hour or two before your workout, you could absolutely incorporate more of like a complex carb and even some protein. And I think that would probably be the best case actually, because that would help you to stay full a little bit longer. You know, if you had just that fast acting carb, that simple carb, but you still had two hours before your training, it would probably go right through you. You probably feel pretty hungry or even fatigued during the workout at that time point. Um, so I would say again, if it's less than an hour, simple carb is great. If it's one or two hours, you could absolutely include that protein, even have more of a complex carb. And if you have even more than two hours, say, I don't know, it's like lunchtime at work. You don't train till the evening. You could absolutely just consider, you know, have a well-balanced normal meal with carb protein and perhaps some kind of color or fiber as well, like your veggies, I think that would be best case scenario there. So I think the timing really is the biggest deciding factor on what type of carb to choose specifically.
0: Okay. So timing is the biggest factor. And then uh, down that next two, uh, two items would be the type of training you may be doing, right. As light cardio is compared to like maybe an ultra marathon training. And then also food type would be very important.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. So let's just talk general population here. Somebody who is just working out three to four times a week in a gym. And they, they do a mixture of cardio machines and weights for just general overall health and wellness. Could you prescribe a, a good workout meal for them? What would be a, a description of some examples that they would eat?
1: Yeah. So let's kind of like break it down based on those like little time stamps I just gave. So in terms of like the less than one hour situation where you want those simple carbs, that could either be like some kind of juice where it's, you know, pretty much just straight up glucose going into your body. I guess it's fructose, but anyway, you could do like a juice or like a Gatorade or like another kind of sports drink, um, fruit snacks or like sports chews. If you want something like more starchy, you could do like a pretzel, um, I know this is very not dietitian esque um, but Pop-Tarts could be a great choice. (laughs) Um, If you do want to do any kind of fruit, I would shoot for like a low fiber fruit at this point. Um, So I wouldn't do maybe like, I don't know, like an apple or a pear with the skin on it. Um, Maybe shoot for more like some dried fruit, some applesauce, maybe some canned fruit. Those types of things will have less fiber and they'll just give you that fast energy a lot more than a fibrous fruit would. So that would be maybe some ideas to shoot for if you have like less than an hour, say like maybe you wake up in the morning and you work out really shortly after that. Um, that's the kind of thing I would shoot for. We really want to limit like our fiber, our fat and our proteins at this time because those things are great. We want to have those normally, but before a workout, they can really slow down digestion and we just can't get those carbs as accessibly um, or as accessible to our body to our muscles and for energy. So biggest thing is those simple carbs. And then if we have that one or two times time span before our workout where we want to shoot for carbs and protein, this might look like string cheese and a rice cake, perhaps like a yogurt parfait. Um, if you want to do that sports sports drink, I would pair it with like a granola bar. Um, maybe a smoothie would be good, getting some kind of Um, carbs from the fruit and then maybe some protein powder or something like that to kind of beef it up a little bit. Um, again, high fat may not be tolerated super well this close to the workout either, just because fat is very slowly digested, which is normally a great thing to keep us full, but that's not the goal before a workout. And then uh, lastly, if we had that two or more hours where we're just trying to eat a well-balanced meal, we're not so much trying to get that very fast acting simple carbon there. Um, that would just be more of like your well-balanced plate. So carbs, protein, some kind of fiber or color from a vegetable, perhaps. So that could be like your basic old chicken, veggie and rice situation or potato, perhaps, um, maybe like some oatmeal with milk and fruit, maybe like a deli meat sandwich, maybe add some fruit to that. Um, again, this one is a little bit less strategic about like getting those fast acting carbs and more so just about eating a nice, well-balanced meal. Um, If you do do that two hour meal, and then you still feel like you might want something else before your workout, you could always have that meal and then say right before your workout, add that simple carb just for that quick burst of energy. Um, If you do feel that two, three, four hours is far too long after your last meal to then try to exercise on. A lot of us need more energy, more, more consistently than like every two, three hours or so.
0: Now in your field, in the field of nutrition, energy and calories are synonymous, right? So they they mean the same thing. Calories give you energy, but to the layman, they just assume energy is sort of, for lack of a better term, like their vitality, like their clear head, their ability to push through those sorts of things. That's how they use energy. So that leads to my next question is that, you know, pre-workout drinks, a lot of them don't necessarily have calories in them, right? But they give us quote unquote energy. Do you have an issue with pre-workout drinks? Whether it's the amount of caffeine they have in them or certain types, do you anecdotally use them in their cells? Just any information you have about pre-workout drinks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of the infamous words of every dietitian, but it depends on a lot of different things. Um yeah, in terms of like the energy, I would absolutely you encourage I would absolutely encourage you, excuse me, to get your energy from food first. You know, follow that advice I kind of just gave of getting in plenty of carbs, plenty of protein. Um, that is what's really going to give you the fuel that you actually need. Now, I think caffeine's great. I think caffeine can be a really good thing to add in. Um, the tricky part with supplements is they are not always well-regulated. That's kind of my biggest struggle with supplements in general, um, including pre-workouts. They The FDA has much more of a reactive approach rather than a proactive with supplements. And so, we cannot always be 100% sure what's in those. Whereas with food, we kind of know what's going to be in that and we feel a lot safer oftentimes. Um, So if you do take a pre-workout, again, I highly encourage you to get your energy from from food first. And if you do want a little pick-me-up before your workout, it just, you know, kind of gets you excited to take that or whatever it might be, Um, by all means, go for it. Um, I do recommend though looking for third-party testing through like NSF, Consumer Lab. Um, Those are some really great third party evaluators. Um, The reason that I recommend that is those third parties are able to, you know, assess the quality of the supplement. Um, They can make sure the label is accurate. So they're not just like saying that it's okay, but it actually has these weird things in them. Um, And it's also important that it's a third party, it's not just the supplement company itself saying that their product is A okay, even though you know, they could definitely just be saying that. Um, And in terms of the caffeine, I guess I didn't really touch on that too much. I would say, uh, you know, the general recommendations, like about 400 milligrams per day is generally safe for most people. If you find that you are super sensitive, you know, you take a a pre-workout and you just find that you're super jittery, you just don't feel quite right. It may not be a good fit for you and that's okay. Um, The average person really doesn't need a pre-workout because again, the food is going to be the biggest thing we want to get our energy from, but I have no problem with people who take them as long as they do their research, find one that fits their needs and maybe do their best to make sure it's one that is third-party tested. That's probably the best fit.
0: Yeah. I'll add just one thing to that, that I think people are becoming addicted to these pre-workouts to the, to the extent that if they don't have them, they feel like they can't go work out, and that's that's an issue, right? So I, I think un- understanding that if you're relying upon something every day, it's different. If it's a one or two cups of coffee in the morning, right? That's that's half of America. But if if you can't have your two or three sco- scoops of no explode before you go work out, then that that could that could be a problem. Uh, yeah, because, it could be. you're, because now you're going to be taking this for the rest of your life, essentially, and that's that's not that's not what you want to be doing. It's not like you're taking it out of your cabinet maybe once every. 30 or 40 days when you didn't get a lot of sleep and something bad's happening and you're relying on it from like a secondary perspective, like you just talked about using food as the primary and using that as the secondary. And I think that's, that's how the pre-workout has to be looked at.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about sleep either. Definitely prioritize sleep as well, instead of like you just said, relying on that pre-workout caffeine fix.
0: So post-workout wise, the sort of old school bodybuilder thought process was very similar to what you just talked about for the pre-workout where they don't want a lot of fats because they believe it slowed digestion down. They, they did more lean meats and uh, a combination of complex and simple carbs, something like maybe a protein shake and you know, a half a turkey sandwich on wheat bread or something. Is, is this still the thought for post-workout? If not, uh, what does the science say now?
1: Yeah, um, I would say that's pretty great. I mean, uh, I think that's an absolutely fine way to think of it. I think the most controversial part is those fats. That's kind of what has been sort of back and forth about, should we have that post-workout or not? And it truly comes down to that. Yes, fats do slow down gastric, gastric emptying. And so, you know, the carbs we eat can't get shuttled to our muscles as quickly to replenish the glycogen we use during the workout. But what truly matters the most, more so than micromanaging all these little tiny things before and after workout, um, is it's going to be like what your total daily intake looks like. So even if you do eat fat, say like right after your workout, as long as you are eating plenty of carbs and protein in general throughout the day, you're probably still going to be, you know, getting adequate protein synthesis and all of that, um, For our average lifter or runner or whoever is, you know, looking for this advice, um, I would not stress too much about, you know, limiting those fats, unless you find that they make you feel uncomfortable, you have any kind of like GI upset, then by all means, kind of wait to have those until it's not like around your workout time. Um, But I would say bottom line, the total daily intake of all these different nutrients matters a lot more than um, trying to... uh, I guess I keep saying micromanage, but micromanage that post workout, if that kind of makes sense.
0: Sure, and just to uh, plug some of my own stuff here to help out the audience, I before this podcast will will be released the 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 week before Wendy Hill is on, and the whole podcast is about lipids and fats. The entire podcast. She's also, uh, you know, she's a nutritionist too. So this this leads. Uh, or follows greatly after that podcast so people who are listening back to back will already un- have an understanding of what the fats are right that because some people right well we talk about fats but they don't exactly know what sort of foods the fats are in necessarily mm-hmm. right they don't have an idea of the omega-3s and the omega-6s and unsaturated for saturated and poly and mono and that sort of thing so um, if they listen to the podcast before this they will and and that'll help uh, lead into all this so Um, just like we did before, um, are, are, do you have some standard recommendations for the general population for post-workout meals? And uh, I will add to that. Is it any different from the pre-workout meal or could I, could I eat the same thing pre and post-workout?
1: That's a good question. Um, I have some suggestions, of course. Yes. Uh, the ones you gave too, like the examples that you gave are also great. You know, maybe it's a sandwich or a protein shake or whatever. Um, I would definitely say that there's much more emphasis on protein after a workout. Um, Carbs are, of course, essential before and after we need them before to make sure that we can fuel our workout and then we need them after to replenish what we use during the workout. Um, Whereas protein, we don't so much need that before a workout, but we will need that after workout, after the workout, or at least plenty throughout the day, like I was just mentioning to ensure that we can optimally build that muscle if that's the goal. Um, But I'm guessing most people don't want to lose muscle mass. So you probably should get in plenty of protein. Um, So yeah, again, your examples were great. Perhaps it might also look like um, like low fat chocolate milk is a really popular, super easy, great idea. Um, Maybe like a Greek yogurt with berries or granola, maybe like a tuna salad sandwich on maybe some whole wheat bread. Um, The protein shake that you had mentioned, I would maybe add like a piece of fruit to that just to, again, get those carbs in there as well. Um, Or you could get the carbs from the milk if you are doing a protein shake with milk. And then maybe like cottage cheese and maybe some peaches, pineapple, that sort of thing. Again, the emphasis is just going to be carbs and protein after that workout.
0: Is there anything else relevant you can pass on concerning pre and post-workout eating, whether it be... Again, the talking about the times, the food types, maybe things to stay away from that people eat, uh, the amount, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I would say the biggest thing, like no matter what your goals are, it's just very important to remember that you have to eat in order to perform your best and recover the best. So you can continue to perform your best. Um, I have a sports dietitian friend who always says to bookend your workouts, we actually had her on one of our podcast episodes, so I can share that. But um, what she means by that is make sure you always eat before, make sure you always eat after, and that's the best way to really fuel your body. And I just think that's really great advice. Um, Again, I really do recommend that food first approach because our body really just does break down the nutrients it gets from food a lot better than it does from supplements. If you do ever want to consider supplements, it can be a great way to of course, supplement your diet. I just highly recommend working with a dietitian to make sure you're choosing ones that are safe for you, um, that you're not overdoing it with any particular nutrient. Um, I would encourage you to get your nutrients from food, but I know that can be hard to do, especially protein, for example. Like I myself take a protein supplement most days because I have a hard time getting in protein, and that's okay. Um, but I would highly recommend working with a dietitian, especially a sports dietitian. If you do have any particular specific questions about pre or post-workout nutrition.
0: Hannah, where can the audience find your stuff on social media and where can they maybe reach out to you directly if they have questions?
1: Yeah. So my main hub is my website that is healthwithhannat.com. So on there, you can find all of my blog posts. I make a lot of recipes um, that also will link you to my YouTube channel, to my podcast. Um, All of my social media is on there. So that really is the main place to go. But if you have a hard time finding that, I can also on Instagram and TikTok um, at Dietitian Hannah. And then my podcast that I had mentioned is called The Upbeat Dietitians.
0: We will link that all below in the description. Hannah, thank you very much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast and hope to have you on another episode down the road.
1: Yes. Thank you so, so much for having me. It was wonderful.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform. And feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.